Welcome to the 21st episode. Old enough to drink now. I mean, we're not drinking now, don't get me wrong. But uh, the 21st episode of the Game 4 podcast. In this episode, we will talk about running your favorite tabletop games at conventions. Tabletop mm-hmm. gaming conventions. I'm Adam. I'm Matt. And uh, we are part of Milkan. I'm wearing a Milkan t-shirt currently. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so what we do is we make an app called Game 4. And Game 4 is designed to help connect tabletop gamers. Uh, it's for Android and iOS, and it's also available on the web. You can find stores, gaming events, conventions, as we mentioned, um, other players, groups and clubs, all kinds of stuff like that. And um, start finding more people in your local area to play games with. Uh, so what have what have we been doing? What have you been doing uh, game-wise oh, over the last since the last episode? Yeah, so uh, my 3D printing, I think I mentioned last time or two times ago. That yeah, I think so. I was starting to get things fixed. Uh, um, so I was able to confirm that I did get things fixed because the stuff that was failing has stopped failing. You were doing... I'm doing those some houses. Yeah, some houses like for D&D. fantasy houses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I did the small cottage that came out phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm doing the second one. It's built. Uh, it's made by a company called Terra. Oh no, company's not Terra. It's uh, uh, Battle uh, Battle Scribe Games. Mm, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. But they make the the, the shape, the yeah, STL file yeah, that you download yeah, and then yeah, you this put in Terra. T A R O K model. Terra. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Um, started printing the second one, which is much bigger than the little cottage. This is uh, the blacksmith. So, mm-hmm. so the uh, like one piece took. Uh, it was gonna take like forty hours, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think yeah. yeah, I've got like another print that's saying it's gonna take like fifty or sixty hours. Wow! But Crazy. I'm doing really high detail, so that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, it looks great. Like this one even allows you to put in like a little LED light and make the forge look like it glows. Nice. But you had uh, you'd already tried to print this one once, but that was where the problem was. It would get up to a certain point, and then everything would shift. Yeah, yeah. So but that's, that you fixed that. I think so. You've um, done some replacing parts. Yeah, I, re- I replaced my Y belt stretcher so okay. that uh, it should have less flex. Um, I also got rid of the uh, little holder that was on the Z axis, which is your up and down mm-hmm. uh, pole. Uh, because I was told that that can worry with binding, which then can cause it to use, you know, hit the plate and sure. cause it to sh- shift. And then also made sure my Z-hop was turned on for that setting, uh, which basically makes it, rather than uh, going straight across, uh, when it moves, it kind of picks itself up a little bit and puts it back down. It takes it a little bit longer to run. Sure, over time, yeah. Right, but uh, it helps out to make sure that if there's any kind of unevenness... It doesn't catch on it something. It doesn't catch on something, especially when you've got like the little tiny details that are being printed out. 3D, print, 3D printing has gone a long way. It really has, but it's still kind of it's a hobby of its own. Like yeah. If you want to do a lot of stuff and get really good results, it's a whole other kind of educational discipline to some degree yeah oh yeah it's it's, and it's part science part art at this point yeah yeah yeah. um but yeah i've done that um and then it with i think it's with the cold weather maybe starting to get warmer uh Uh it seems like illnesses have gone rampant around us uh so this is not anything pandemic this is just no regular regular, like end of winter cold throats uh Stomach flus, all that fun stuff, but that uh, that canceled a lot of my RPG sessions in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's um, that's the hard part about yeah. RPG sessions. Yeah, 
But uh, I did get in my uh, the Mad Mage one, the one that I run uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're only being able to do because of travel with our conventions and stuff. Uh, right. Yeah. One session this month, but they didn't make it to level six. So and they're on the second level down. So that one took forever. Their characters seems. are level six. Yeah, their characters oh, are level okay. six, and they're wow. only on the second map down. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a, quite a long floor. That so I think we probably did like or six sessions at least wow yeah they were getting antsy on figuring out when they were going to level up and yeah, yeah, yeah. i was getting antsy too well, that makes sense i get that um how about you well let's see i have been building models uh for Warcry and age of sigmar um both made by games workshop and i've been painting models for kill team and star breach so the stuff that i'm starting to build for Warcry, Warcry is kind of a skirmish-style kind of um, fantasy game that they came out with last summer, question mark? That sounds about right. That sounds right. Um, and I hadn't really done much with it, and I'm starting to look at doing more with it because I want to eventually start doing some uh, using it in some of the battle reports that I'm going to be putting on my channel. I did finally get the first battle report up, and it was a mess, but it was a work in progress, and so I kind of used it as a... A learning thing and said look this is um these are the issues i'm running into and so what do you people think about this and give me some suggestions and what do you think about that and mm-hmm. it got decent response that way people were pretty positive about it um but yeah so Warcry, i'm doing that and then age of sigmar my friend sam and i are going to be playing in a tournament whoa i know in october so it's a good ways off which is nice um we're not normally i'm certainly not normally a tournament person but uh our good friend vince uh, Vince Venturella from uh, YouTube. Uh, he had basically convinced Sam and I that we need to go play at this uh, team tournament coming up in October. So and you guys are on a team together then? Yes. So Sam will be running uh, Stormcast Eternals, which are basically good guys, and I will be running Night Haunts, which are basically Scooby-Doo Ghost dead guys. Uh, so it'll be weird that we're working together, but, you know, Battle Make Strange Bedfellows or whatever. Mm, yes. So, um, yes, yeah, so we're looking forward to that. And I didn't really have any Night Haunts, Scooby-Doo, Ghost Guys done or even started. I uh, I owned like one, I owned a box set that had like half the box set was those guys. Mm. Um, and so um, I just bought a couple extra pieces. Then I'll be able to build a thousand point army with them and then I'll start painting them. But st- st- you start with building. So uh, I've been doing that. And then for Kill Team, um, I've been just adding some elite characters to some of my lists and so working on like single guys here and there in yeah. between um, and then uh, there's a game called Star Breach which is a indie kind of sci- sci-fi skirmish game that I've been building warbands for and I've got one just finished and a second one is all primed and ready to go so they'll be coming next um, and then uh, well I kind of mentioned it that I, I launched my first battle report on the Tabletop Minions YouTube channel mm. Um, and so the second one has already been shot. Second one got shot before the first one got released. So the, a lot of the suggestions that are coming out for people saying, hey, you should try this and try this, won't happen in the second one because it's already been shot. Right, some or, of you, them will. or you already had kind of picked up on it yourself. Right. Yeah. exactly, yeah. Some of them will, and some of them I already picked up on myself. But then the third one, hopefully I will shoot um, probably after we get back from Adepticon at the end of March. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll be able to shoot between between a Gamma right. and a Depthcon. So um, we're going to Gamma, which right? We which probably is also mentioned. It's kind not of our, not on our sheet here. No, but yeah, 
which kind of falls into our topic about conventions, except we're not really playing. That's more of a trade show. Yeah. Yeah. Gamma. Yeah. So Gamma is the Game Manufacturers Association, uh, of which Milkan is a member because we make Game 4 and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and every year they have this convention. The last several years it's been in Reno. It used to be in Vegas a long mm-hmm. time ago. But it's been in Reno, Nevada for quite some time. And it's called the, well, it used to be just called Gamma Trade Show, GTS. Right. Now it's called Gamma Expo. Yes, now it's fancy. It's got a new logo. Got a new logo, exactly, yes. Um, so so that'll be interesting. Um, this will be our third year going, our third year with a booth. Uh, we're going to be in booth E, as in electricity. Echo. Uh, Echo is also <laughs> what E starts with. Um, so like uh, E401. So stop by if you're at the Gamma Trade Show, if you're a store owner and you're there. Or if you're a publisher or whoever, um, and that's why we really like that that trade shows because it gives yes. us you know a lot of people that can you know outside of you know gamers it gives us you know more uh, ways to communicate with the industry. Yeah, it, it's the people walking up up and down the aisles instead of being basically just kind of gamers who are looking to buy things. It is predominantly store owners and store employees yep. who are looking to find out new stuff. And right. then there's also a lot of publishers there as well. Just publishers as there and are distributors. Big and conventions anyway, but yeah. So yeah, and distributors as well. That's a very good point. Um, so yeah, it's a good show. And um, we'll be flying out on Sunday, which is real close to now, yeah. nearly. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of stuff to get done. Um, and we'll be flying out there to Reno, and we'll be out there almost a week and then come back on Friday. Actually, the relaunch, we'll be in Reno when this goes out, right? No. No, this will go out like tomorrow from when we're recording it. Are you sure? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to double check. Yeah, so we might be in Reno or we might not be in Reno. I mean, we'll be in Reno at some point. Right, but when you're listening to this. I swear, isn't this coming? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, we'll go check. We'll figure it out. Um, You'll be hearing it if you're hearing it because you're hearing it. So that won't matter to you. Yeah, you'll be like, I don't really care where they are. Exactly, or when. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so that's kind of what's going on with us right now. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting. So we have a question. Yes, from the audience. The the, the listenership, as it were. This is from uh, Tim. Tim. Uh, He says, uh, you've talked about conventions as a place to find games. I would like you to talk a bit about running games at conventions. How do I sign up to run a game at a convention? What do I need to, to prepare? And thoughts on what to expect or pitfalls to avoid? And I think this is a very good question. Um, and like the questions that we talk about on the, ch- uh, the recording here, on the podcast, uh, Tim's going to get a t-shirt, mm-hmm. a limited edition. Um, Matt and Adam read my question on the podcast, and all I got was this lovely t-shirt. Um, so thanks to Tim for that. Uh, not only is it a good question, we think we're going to turn it into the subject for today's video. Yeah, we realized it was going to paying attention at the beginning. It was going to take a little while to answer. It's a in depth question. And then as we were writing up our notes, uh, it got even larger than I thought it was even going to be. Right. Yeah. There's a lot to it. Um, but it is, I think, a great and rewarding thing, and it's just good for the industry mm-hmm. and for gamers in general. And traditionally, now is when they consider convention season starting. Very frequently late winter into early spring is kind of the beginning of convention season as it's referred to. It used to be like summer was convention season, but convention season for tabletop gaming keeps kind of getting Yeah, it's pretty much wider year round and wider. Almost. It's nearly year round, but the majority of them have a tendency like I was at a convention in late January and there was another one local to us that was in late February. Um, but those are a little bit more rare just because travel is because you know it's problematic specifically right. in the Midwest where we are. 
But once it starts getting nice, then there's conventions all the time. Yeah, right. yep. So, um, which, means, con- which reminds me that uh, our convention, we just updated a whole bunch of new conventions. And- Very good point. Yes. If you're looking for local conventions in your area, um, there are, uh, there's, there's a convention list in the Game 4 app, and you can find stuff. If you know of a convention in your local area and you look in the Game 4 app and it's not there, you can definitely put it in for free. And then you get a badge. Right, and you get a badge. Or if there's missing information that you think would be helpful uh, or wrong information, uh, you can submit an edit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's approved, again, you get a badge and you help yep. out your other fellow gamers. Yeah, we've implemented badges into uh, Game 4. They're basically almost kind of like Xbox type of achievements and stuff like that, except mm-hmm. that if you use... One of, the, one of the badges allows you to sign up your friends or mm-hmm. people you know and stuff like that. And if they use your referral code, then both of you get entered that month to potentially win. Uh, each of you would win a $100 gift card to your local, uh, to your friendly local game store. And so um, you, you want to sign people up because the more people you sign up, the more chances you get to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but the convention thing is also a good way to get a badge as well. But it's, that badge is not the, the, co- the contest badge, but still fun you know, badges. Anyway... Local conventions. Yes, let's go back to that. Yes. Yeah, so local conventions. Um, I don't know. I think local conventions are great, and for a lot of different reasons. Um, I mean, all gaming conventions are pretty good, but yeah, sure. so locals are... Local conventions are frequently cheaper than the big, 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 big ones. And they're um, usually they're smaller, more, so there's less yeah. people there if you've got like a problem with... And they're like, usually crowds. more about playing than than visiting yeah it's less of a trade show it's less of a vendor hall it's more about sitting down and playing i mean there's still frequently vending and things like that right but but less tournaments and less vendors local conventions can be as small as 50 60 people as big as maybe a couple of thousand sometimes Mm -hmm. um so yeah you know knowing what to think when you go into it i think is super important knowing what to expect i guess you know and how big it could be that kind of stuff but you should definitely search some out in your local area because I think it's a really, it's a great idea. And like I said, you can use the Game 4 app to find some. Um, and it's a great new, it's a great place to meet like new gaming friends and try new games. Mm-hmm. Um, find local gaming groups maybe you didn't know about or yeah. know, that kind of stuff. Or advertise your own group. Or right, yeah, exactly. Um, there's a lot of groups that we know of that go to local conventions that we go to who just run a bunch of events right. because they want to... Be, when you go to a, a, a convention, like I think the reason that Tim is asking this question, one of the reasons is when you go to a convention, you run games, you are basically helping out the convention mm-hmm. because the convention, um, all the events that you run or that you see run at your local convention, they're all run by volunteers pretty much. Unless there's some, maybe a company sent a guy that they paid to go there and run demos, but that is Something. so unfrequent. Right. Um, in most situations, there are demo teams that maybe a publisher, like a little local, local convention I used to run for like a decade, we had people who um, were volunteers for like Steve Jackson games. Mm-hmm. They were known as Men in Black. And so they would come to the local convention and they would just run Steve Jackson games stuff. And then they would give away the games to the uh, to the winner. Like you'd right. sit down and play Revolution. I think it was called Revolution. Is that the one? That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. So you'd sit down and play Revolution with a bunch of other people. You'd learn how to play it and whatever. And whoever won the game, they get the game. The game. Mm-hmm. So it was a cool thing that way. Um, but the guy who was running that, like his, that was not his job, but it was a thing that he did. And right. He got credit, but in games and stuff like that. That's right. a whole thing. Um, but when you go to a convention, um, the game masters that are running stuff, they are the the lifeblood, frankly of the convention obviously the volunteers that help and almost every 
convention, small or large, is kind of run by volunteers to some degree. Um, but the people who are running the games are really like without them, you would just a bunch of people running around, you know, trying to sell tickets to nothing because that's really what makes these game conventions for the most part is the games. Right. So, um, and when I say game master, that's not just like a RPG oh, yeah, term. Right. You know what yep. I mean? <laughs> like it's you know game masters in um in 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 this situation are the people who are running the games it could be a board game it could be a miniatures game it could be ccgs you know whatever right. whoever's sitting down to say yeah i'm gonna do this you know that's kind of the thing mm-hmm. um and the thing is is that tim asked how to you know how do you find out about signing up to run games at a convention mm-hmm. it's generally the website yeah very f- Infrequently, because they have to kind of manage uh, times and balance, you know, who's in there and how many games, items are running. Mm-hmm. They usually want that ahead of time. Oh, There's yeah. usually a cutoff. Uh, like it's, it could be, uh, you know, as uh, quickly as you know, within like four or five days of it starting. And sure. sometimes it's like a month or two ahead of time. Yeah, um, there are some conventions that yeah have a cutoff date, and you can't post events after you know thirty days out. And there are other ones like the convention I used to run. If you wanted to do it the day before, fine. You're just not going to be in the printed um, uh, program, right? But you'd probably still be on the website. So yeah, that's that's kind of a thing. Um, and like on the website, like what kind of stuff generally are they going to ask? Um, they're going to ask uh, usually, you know, uh, what day you're hoping to run it, mm-hmm. um, days, time preferences. Uh, that just helps them schedule it. Mm-hmm. Um, the name of the game you're running. Uh, any kind of version information that players might want to know, right? Like if it was D and D, like which yeah, which or you know, from? is this version two of the new board game? Like this right. is the brand new version, or is this from, like you know, is this Fire Island, uh, Fireball Island from twenty eighteen, or is this Fireball Island from, from back the in the eighties or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Um, usually, like skill level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is this for beginners that are want that are interested in learning how to play, or is this for People that have you know played it for a little while. And in most situations at conventions, you are running an event with the idea that the people there can be beginners, and you're going to teach them the rules. That's yeah. really a thing. So you need to, as the game master, be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were going to have, let's say, if you were going to show up at a convention and run some sort of Magic the Gathering mini, uh, you know, sealed booster deck uh, tournament or something like that it would be expected that you at least understand the rules because in a tournament situation like that, no one can really sit down and go, okay, so this is how the game of magic works. And then, you know, and these Mm -hmm. are lands, you have to tap them and all that kind of stuff. It's more along the lines of in that situation, you need to be at least intermediate, you know, or understand the rules. But in most situations at conventions, if you're going to go to a convention um, and and you're going to be a GM, you are expected to teach the people how to play the game. Yeah, it, yeah, it depends. Yeah, I would say yeah, genre-wise, it seems to kind of that seems to be what varies it the most. Well, it also has to do with if it's a tournament or not. Like, if you were going to go yeah. and run a Settlers of Catan tournament, that's for people who know how to play Settlers of Catan. Mm-hmm. But if you were going to teach people how to play Settlers of Catan, then that's a beginner level thing, and then people don't have to know well, like, how to play. Yeah, well, well, in your RPGs though, sometimes it's uh, these are entry level. Sometimes we want fourth level and experienced players. Oh yeah, no, absolutely RPGs yeah. as well. Certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's it's. I mean, there are plenty of people who will run RPGs with the idea of like you've never played RPGs before. Cool, I'm going to teach you how to do this. Um, but yeah, there are other times, especially like um, what's that league? Adventurers League. Yeah, like for Adventurers League, you kind of need to know what you're doing mm. already. Really, nope. you don't. Well, I mean, depends. I suppose it depends on the on the 
campaign or the, the right, mission. Right, sometimes they'll, yeah, they'll have the pre-gen characters already there for you sure, if you don't yeah, have any. Different story. Yeah, yeah. Um, w- but that does, uh, I did think about uh, time length. Like, so they'll, they'll want to know, is this, uh, oh, you, yeah. do you need an hour of table time, four yeah. hours of table time, an all-day event? As a person who has run and is still running conventions, yeah, knowing... Like, are you expecting to have this table for six hours or are you expecting to have it for an hour? Because in most of these situations, you have X amount of tables. And Mm -hmm. so you may have to like figure out like this person, both of these people wanted to be in the morning, but there are not enough tables. So this person's either going to have to end up in the afternoon on that same table or you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it becomes a scheduling. Right. And then from a, from a host you're you're, you're uh, well from a game master perspective right yeah like if there's no breaks in between the games like usually the, you know sometimes they'll have like a 10 minute turnover time or you know or lunch or something like that if if there is no turnover then like no we're starting your time basically mm-hmm. right after the last thing at your table you need to know you know do i need how, to get off this table as how much as possible yeah, how much setup time does the next person need how much setup do i need right, uh, yeah, yeah. how much time is it going to take me to explain and then how much time is it going to take to play if you're planning on running multiple events at a convention which is a smart idea you're traveling all the way to the convention you're bringing stuff it just makes sense to run it a couple of times probably um definitely try to schedule things to give yourself a little bit of time in between not just even for setup and takedown and whatnot and bathroom breaks but also to kind of go get something to eat and walk around and look at the vending stuff and and that kind of jazz. Give yourself a little bit of play uh, uh, space, you know, yeah. in that, in between the right. events or whatever. Sometimes that varies uh, for board gamers because once you kind of get people going, at that point you're just kind of helping people with rules and strategies after yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. So you can sometimes, you know, like if you have like, brought along a lunch or something, you kind of sit there and yeah. eat a little bit in between, but not always. And so. even with miniatures to some degree, if you're going to be setting things up and you've got terrain and stuff and whatever, if it's a teaching style game and not a tournament, having sometimes maybe you may not want to have space in between just because then you don't have to take it down and set it back up again. You know right, I mean? especially if it's yeah, the same game. Yep. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly, if you're running the same game. Um, but yeah, so pretty much website is the standard way these days if you want to, say, you go basically look on the website of any you know place like that and say they're looking for GMs, run an event, all kinds of different, you kind of, mm-hmm. what other kind of terminology might there be? Like be a GM, be a game master. Sessions. Run a session, run an event, that kind of stuff. If they've got a section about their um, events, maybe someplace based, you know, like off of that yep. page will be a thing about how you sign up to run events. But you usually do it through the website. If you can't figure it out, almost every website that's got anything going on should have an email or some sort of contact information. So yep. you can contact and go, I want to run these events. How do I do it? Your website's right. very confusing and, and or they, whatever. If you know? they don't have that, that might be a warning sign. Right. This may be their first rodeo. And they may be the rodeo clown in right. that situation, so you may not want to. Um, but yeah, any any decent website or any decent sorry any decent convention has been around for a while. Has got a, at this point, in 2020 has got a website, and hopefully it will have the information that's yeah. necessary. So and, and some of those websites are going to be rough on your eyes. Not going to lie. Yeah, oh no, that's very true. Again, well, again run by volunteers. Volunteers run, yeah. and typically not, you know. Strong IT art people. Not always, no. <laughs> Sometimes they, they go one way or the and other. And they're volunteering. And so Maybe it's an artsy-fartsy looking website, but it's hard to use. Or it's a website that's very, very well coded, but looks like a hot garbage. Right. I mean, they, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, they don't understand the color palette. Right, yeah, that happens. Um, but yeah, so as the game master, if mm-hmm. you can get something signed up, um, then it is kind of up to you to bring the like supplies and stuff like that generally right. not in all situations so 
if you were going to be running a, I don't know, some sort of mini tournament for, let's say, well, okay, let's say you were going to run a, a mini tournament for Keyforge, you would probably be like, hey, bring your Keyforge decks. Yeah, usually the tournaments are kind of run by the convention people or mm-hmm. like at least items abroad. Um, right. But otherwise, yeah, if you're doing a session, they'll usually just tell, they'll usually tell you what's included, like power, uh, table, number of chairs, type thing. Sure, but I'm saying like as the person who's got to run the con- the the, the, ter- the right. whatever the event is, you need to know what gaming supplies to bring to some degree. Right. Yeah, like if you're doing RPGs, uh, probably a map, uh, miniatures, mm-hmm. um, including you know not only monsters but also tokens for the players. If you're into that kind of uh, stuff, probably yeah. some extra sets of dice for people that don't have dice or didn't bring them with. You're gonna have some folks who are gonna have their own dice on them because they're there at a right. gaming convention. But you're also gonna have folks who don't. Maybe right, this is like, the first time they've ever played an yep. RPG. And then maybe they'll go buy some afterwards. And go, yeah, maybe yep. you're going to change their life and get them into it, you know. But, yeah, you're right. They do need to know. Pencils, pencil sharpener. Yeah. Um, and then all the stuff, like your DM screen, mm-hmm. uh, some pre-gen characters. Um, even if you tell them to pre-gen ahead of time, probably bring a couple. Yeah, that's always. Uh, because they al- might be imbalanced. Always depending upon the fact that the... You, you, you've got like a preparation. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, you didn't bring dice? Okay, cool. You didn't bring a pencil? Okay, cool. You didn't yeah. bring a character even though it said you were supposed to bring a character? Cool. Yeah. You're pretty much, yeah, it was just like back in school when the teacher's exactly, like, Exactly, yeah. I told you to do this, but here you go. Well, you're Here's teaching. This. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're teaching yeah. the game. I mean, that's kind of the trick. And, and you know, and sometimes there will be cancellation, so maybe some person signed up the last minute because there was yeah. a free spot. Certainly, and, yeah. So they didn't bring their players' They didn't handbook. bring their normal stuff that they would bring, yeah. Um, um, like, there's also like in board gaming, you bring the board game. I mean, that's kind of the benefit. Yeah, sometimes you don't need writing utensils again, but uh, well, yeah, sometimes not always. On the game. But a lot of times, it's yeah. Like if you're going to be sitting down and teaching people how to play, whatever, you need to bring the the game. Um, RPG or sorry, minis. You're going to pretty much bring the armies and the terrain and the. Depending on what it is, if it is a tournament, then generally what happens is that the person who's the tournament organizer in that situation, they're going to bring. The game mats and the terrain and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, usually but then the players right. are expected to bring their own armies. If you are teaching somebody to play a game that's a miniatures game, then you generally bring everything. Yeah, I have in the past, plenty of times, run um, at conventions. My favorite miniatures game to run at conventions is a game called Song of Blades and Heroes, um, and it is a very kind of simple yet elegant kind of fantasy skirmish game, and. Um, yeah, I've run that a bunch of times, but I bring the mat, I bring the little buildings, I bring all of the skeletons, I bring the good guys, and I even bring the dice and everything. And literally, people don't need a thing. They just sit down and play. So um, it's kind of important. But yeah, it depends. You know, RPGs, like we talked about, you bring some dice and some stuff, and you bring the books you need. Um, there are types of CCGs, collectible card games, where you can do something called a sealed deck booster right. or a su- sealed booster de- uh, whatever event. Or basically, like, well, yeah, there's also drafts as well, but like maybe you just get three decks of cards and that's what you build it out of. A game like Keyforge, the deck is the Mm -hmm. thing and it's like 10 bucks and there you go. Um, I've seen people do, have you ever heard of a pauper draft? I think it's called. It's like you get a, or it's a pauper cube. I don't know. It's a whole bunch of cards, but like I don't think any of them can be above like uncommon. Hmm. And then. Like, everybody drafts off of this big, huge hump of cards that you've got, and then they just play, and there's, like, no big, huge gotcha, you know. Nice, okay. That's why it's called the popper thing, because they can't be, like, you know, rares and stuff. 
Um, and I, I know that that would be a, an easy enough thing to play. You would probably need to know how to play Magic a little bit, but not not a ton. Um, and then for that one, you probably want something to keep score if there's scores or anything like that. Huh? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, conventions also generally require a decent amount of walking, moving around. Ooh, yeah. And so if you are going from your car to the convention to where you have to set up your table so you can run game X or Y or Z or whatever, you generally want some sort of kind of carrying like device, some sort of like some sort of solution for you. Like, and I see this all the time and it's one of my favorites, but I, the big blue Ikea. I was bag. just looking. Re- yeah. You have one over there. One over there. Just, yeah. uh, big blue Ikea bag. They're like, I don't know. They used to be like three bucks and they're nearly indestructible and they're kind of massive and you can fit a lot of board games in them, but yeah. there's a lot of board game bags out there nowadays. Yeah. Um, also the, yeah, the Costco's got those like wheeled carts. So if you're yep. running multiple it's almost games. like, um, almost like a kid's wagon, but it folds yeah. up, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is really nice. Not only for uh, bringing the games you're teaching, but if you're doing any purchases, right? Yeah. Especially for board games, those, those get massive really fast. They can. And the thing is about conventions, even small ones, you still are end up usually parking a ways away to some degree. Like it's at a, it's at a hotel. So you're parking out in the parking lot. And if you're not staying in the hotel, then you can't just take your purchases and the right. stuff and go upstairs to the room. Now, if you're if it's in a big enough event and you are staying in the hotel, um, well then, great. You just walk upstairs. You get the stuff you need for your next session. You walk back downstairs. Yeah. Here you go. Maybe but if you're going to be yeah. there for a while, it, uh, I've seen f- plenty of people kind of moving around. Big, you know, some sort of either a big, you know, IKEA type bag or, like you said, like kind of the fold up e wagon thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. RPGs and miniatures. I usually do use like a my battle foam bag or you know or sure. some other kind of you know. I bought some sort of doohickey at Staples years and years ago that folds up, and it's almost like a like a filing cabinet on wheels, like a sh- little short uh, one, and it's got like the telescoping thing yes. like on your luggage. Oh. And then it's just like a set of wheels, and then I can put like a bunch of terrain and some like models and stuff. Yeah, have, you, have you seen the uh, Milwaukee tool chest? That's like a bunch of crates on top of one another. No. And they're like, yeah, it's kind of modular. Uh, you can get a little pricey, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing when it's you... pretty high end, probably. Yeah, because it's got... Tools. Uh, you know, lots of different height sizes yeah, yeah. and stuff too, and then you can kind of stack and build as you see fit. And yeah, no, that's uh, definitely. And it's also nice because the uh, tops are all clear. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, like trying say, to figure out what you're, yeah, no, like as a D and like I've seen a lot of people doing it for like D and D because then like all the monsters, you can kind of go, oh, yep, that's the this is the one I want that has all these. And if you go to a really big convention, like really big you may not necessarily want to pull around a wagon full of shenanigans. You know what I mean? Yeah, even backpackers. You yeah, usually like kind Gen of Con there. Like especially, or, or maybe you do. Maybe you're going to go run some events at Gen Con. Um, that's like the biggest convention in the country for this kind of stuff. So let's say you do get in and you're going to run some events at Gen Con. That's great. Um, then I don't know that if you've got a wagon full of like board games, because you've been running board games all day, that you then want to pull that wagon with you into the vendor hall, mm. especially like right after it opens and it is absolutely shoulder to shoulder in there. People will be angry at you. Right. Just, just FYI. So kind of think ahead about, you know, it's great to have all this uh, infrastructure and all that kind of stuff to be able to go from point A to point B and carry your games around and things like that at the convention without having to go back to the hotel, especially if your hotel's up at an airport or something like right. that. Well, like and it, if, you're, if you're flying, remember, yeah. if you travel, remember, you've got to get this stuff home. Right, yeah. Then that's big. Uh, there's been plenty of things that I've looked at at con- big conventions where I'm like, I would buy that, but I, it won't go on the plane, you know? And then you go, well, can you ship it? And they're like, well, yeah, but it'll cost this much. And you're like, meh. 
plenty of places will go yeah well we'll ship it we'll ship it to you for free you know yeah. um because they want you to buy it right um at the convention and, and whatnot and that's kind of the convention deal but yeah so it's a good idea to have something to carry your stuff around unless you are like i said if it's a situation where you can go back to your hotel room very easily and just go grab game one bring it run it go back to the hotel room have a little bathroom break whatever come back with game two great but if it's a if you're parking out it's outside and you're not you know then it, it's it's not a bad idea mm-hmm. to have some sort of containment system oh uh also uh the uh, board game bands if you're doing board games oh yeah yeah they, yeah. they have a, it's like yeah it's kind of it's like, like a, a rubber band that like, it's instead of being like in a circle it's more like kind of an x across yeah yeah like a cross so and then all it, four sides and yeah yeah that way you, you know if it falls you don't uh, have all your pieces scattered across right. the convention floor yeah 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 you must be able to buy those online or something, right? Oh, yeah. And a lot of your local game stores, like uh, when we were at this afternoon, they've got a whole bin oh, of different okay. colored ones. Nice. They're usually in the board game section. If they're not, ask them. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So, yeah, thinking ahead that way, too, about, um, you know, kind of protecting the stuff. Um, if the game is very precious to you uh, because it's either out of print and you can't get it anymore or it was some sort of limited edition, limited Kickstarter edition, whatever, um, or maybe it's a it's your favorite miniatures, like you really like these miniatures. You may want to think twice about bringing it to a convention, right? Because yeah. Be, you are teaching people who you don't know them, and they may not. There could be lots of bad habits there. So, oh yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, if it's, if there's cards, put sleeves on them. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, be prepared for the game to have food, water, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's a, know, there's a lot of gamers out there who maybe don't, and it's just people in general, don't get me wrong, it's not just gamers, but when you're dealing with this product, you know, whatever it is you've brought because you're going to be running because you're the GM, you think, you know, to you it's important, but to them they're just like, oh, I'm just learning this new game. I paid and, money to get in here. Yeah, yeah, and think, you know, you've got, I don't know, chocolate from the Snickers bar on your fingers and now yeah. it's on my, you know, cards or whatever, you know, so there's that kind of stuff. Like when I do, when I run events at conventions, for miniatures the like the the, the game that i run kind of over and over again there's a bunch of skeletons and okay. they are skeletons that i have built and painted myself mm-hmm. and i run all the skeletons i as the the game master of that oh, particular yeah, the game those are the my skeletons. That, oh, okay. i'm the one that touches the skeletons i'll move them around and i'm not a jerk about it but i'm just like look okay here's good but the the heroes that are attacking the skeletons those are all uh pre-painted plastic nearly rubber miniatures from um the, the old D skirmish game that WizKid or oh. not WizKids, wizards of the coast did mm. back in the early 2000s or something like that okay they were pre-painted um so those are nigh indestructible because like like i said they can't be busted very easily because they're kind of rubbery like hero clicks if you've ever played like the hero right, clicks right, miniature right, and they're kind yeah. of bendy okay these are that same type of thing but so without the clicky thing right so unless they're maliciously trying to do it right unless one of them has a wire cutters i don't think that they're going to do much so the swords can bend yeah. you and know. if they're maliciously you know that that's a whole uh, different problem oh, these absolutely absolutely and it doesn't happen i've never had like I, i've had to probably clean some cheeto fingers off of them before but i've never had anybody like yeah, yeah i'm going to tear his arms off you know that's not a thing um also you know regardless of your infatuation make sure to after your players leave to check around on the floors uh, yeah dice can fall on the floor minis yeah. can fall on the floor tokens from board games can fall on the floor yeah count on yeah. stuff you know hopefully they don't put it in their pocket or yeah or get mixed up in their you know box of goodies they bought that like a card can get stuck to your elbow on the table and you slide it off and it falls out of the floor and yeah there's lots of different possibilities so 
so yeah definitely pay attention to what's going on in the local like right around your area keep an eye on the stuff you know that kind of jazz um but yeah if the game is precious to you like i said if it's a um like i had a convention i ran a convention like i said for about a decade here in town well here but anyway um and a guy brought uh, a game called it's a board game called Witch's Brew, I believe. Okay. Which was evidently like it's out of print and like it goes for a bunch of money on eBay. And he left it like underneath his table. But luckily, I knew him and was able to send him a message. I think on Facebook and stuff like that, and I got it back to him and everything. But yeah, I mean, as that here's the thing. Like I said, I ran that convention for like a decade nearly every year somebody left something mm-hmm. whether it was a board game whether it was like a sweatshirt whether it was um i don't know that anyone ever left their phone behind but we get like usb cords like all just just random stuff and you always be like you're getting done at the end it's sunday afternoon everyone's left and you're cleaning up you know and getting all the tables figured out and stuff you're just like oh found the, a purse you know and that kind of stuff so you know understanding that you as you're leaving the table that you're at, you've got all your stuff, just really check good underneath the table and that kind of stuff before you leave and then you don't have to worry about losing stuff. Yeah, and sometimes uh, feel free, like uh, if there's like a lot of little pieces to uh, ask players if they want to check around, you know, for yeah. themselves, True. you know, usually they'll help out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so what? So for game choices though, should you, you know, what kind of like game? what to run. Yeah, what to run. Should you always pick your favorite game? Should you play the new hotness? play some of the obscure games so kind of like a you know yeah so you're cool like you know naming obscure bands sure right yeah, to yeah. kind of show that you're, you you know totally you know obscure. what you're doing yeah i mean in general it seems and i think we can both attest to this i feel like it seems like if a game is well enough known it is more likely to get people to come and play it at the convention so the way that this generally works at most local conventions is that you know, you are given a time, like in the program, it's like, okay, we want you, Matt, to run this game that you have said you want to run, and you'll be at this table, table number seven, uh, from four until six p.m. on Saturday. Great. So you know where to go, you know where to set up, everything's yep. fine. Um, but then what happens is you set up the game or whatever, and then you kind of sit there. Yep. Most smaller conventions don't like pre-sell the the seats. Some do. You're yeah. starting to see like. Um, Tabletop.events is a web uh, service kind of that is designed to help conventions like take, you know, like kind of do ticketing and and all that kind of stuff. Um, A lot of conventions, like some of the small conventions that I go to to kind of get around that whole computer thing, they will just have like a book. Right. And then you just go, it's like a, not a book, but like a three ring binder. Right. So you'll just go through and you'll be like, oh, there's six slots for this game. I just want to put my name in there. Right, and they'll and usually like have like, you know, oh, the first six people are guaranteed a spot and then everyone else is waitlisted. Waitlisted, exactly. So then you, so that everyone shows up then at that time and if there's six slots and six people had signed up and there were two waitlisted and only four people show up plus the two waitlists, well, then they're going to get on there. Um, but that's a way that a lot of conventions do it. Um, there are also times when you're sitting there and no one's coming to your event and that's okay generally. Um, a lot of conventions that I've seen also, local conventions, they will get like uh, a sign or like a balloon. I know one of the conventions that we go to frequently gets these like mylar balloons that just say looking for players on mm-hmm. them. And then there's like a piece of string and a weight. 
So you just go and grab one of those balloons from the front desk and you set it on your game. And then people walking around can just scan around and see one of those balloons and go, oh, they're looking for a player over there. And they walk over and go, what are you running? Oh, this? Okay, cool. I don't want to play that. Or, oh, I do. I'm interested. You mm-hmm. know. So you can pick up players that way as well. Um, most conventions do not penalize you for like running an event that nobody goes to. Right, but they generally that it, that is kind of when your submission might not get approved as well. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes I'll go. Oh, it's pretty rare. We've never had anyone ever show up for this game in the last three years. For sure, like you know. Okay, let's take Gen Con. So the thing is, and I guess I maybe forgot to mention this earlier. Generally, most conventions incentivize how to get. You know, they incentivize the GMs. Right. So I go to a convention and I'm like, I want to run these games, and so I've gone to the website and I filled up my information. Um, some conventions, if you run a certain number of games, will just give you a free badge, so you don't have to pay right. for the badge. Um, like Gen Con, you have to, you got to really, really work. But if you run stuff constantly at Gen Con, like the entire four days or whatever, they will not only give you a free badge, but sometimes they'll even give you either money off on a hotel room or something like that. Okay, um, reimbursement kind of more than anything else. Nice, um, and that changes from year to year and whatnot. But smaller conventions generally either give you hey if you run at least four hours worth of stuff we'll give you a free badge or they're or like discount badge or they'll or give you a discount badge or they'll give you like con bucks you know convention for, bucks yeah which you can then either put towards your badge or you could buy a t-shirt with it or you could put for snacks and stuff like that that they sell um so that's like kind of the incentive to run these things because they again they need the volunteers right um but then if you sit down and you're gonna run some game and no one shows up they're generally not gonna bust your your chops on it now if you kept doing that year after year after year run, trying to run in a game that nobody wanted to play eventually they might be like maybe you should try a different game right but that's about the worst that's gonna get in my opinion right at most local conventions mm-hmm. so yeah um but once you get things set up and and then you know people hopefully will come up and start to at least ask about it um, sometimes you run a game that's very popular, uh, yeah, you're well right. known, right. and so you're going to get more people who want to come try it out. Other times you're going to run a game that is maybe less well known, but people are are interested in it. Yeah, so maybe they, you wrote a really good description that made people go, "Ooh, that sounds cool." Or yeah, the description, like that part in the website before we were talking about when you fill out the thing, have, writing a decent subs- or rubs- or re- description is really important. Because Especially if you just, if it's not a not a well known game, right? Exactly. I mean, people can look stuff up on the internet, obviously, because right. they're on the internet when they're looking at it. But, but like, yeah, like yeah. if you're running, you know, a Ticket to Ride versus, you know, uh, Catch the Moon, mm-hmm. like Catch the Moon, you know, probably a lot of people might not have heard of. Sure, exactly. Versus Settlers, you know, probably a lot Settlers of people of have Ticket to Ride. Yeah, those are the well known. Those are the uh, the big, you know, multi platinum like you know music uh, uh, artists. And then the indie bands pull down a little bit of a smaller, but still passionate frequently, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, viewership or listenership or whatever. And that's kind of a thing. Like that's there's a benefit to running games, and it's a fine line. There's a benefit to running games that are like, well, this is. There are probably people that are interested in this, but they just they want to demo it. They want to try it out because, like we said before, a convention is a great place to learn mm-hmm. new games and see if it's something that you're interested in buying. Um. And maybe you go a little bit of both. If you're going to run, let's say, three events, maybe run, like, one really well-known one. Maybe it's going to be... Yeah. And also, like, it may also... Like, if if you've got a, a convention that's running, like, a big settler's tournament, 
they may not want another settlers event going on as well. Right now, if you were also if you were going to be te- doing a teaching game of settlers, saying, "Hey, if you've never played before, here's a good place to learn," that they might be interested in that. So it kind of depends. But yeah, that that's that's kind of the conversation that goes back and forth between you and the convention runners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, as far as preparation is concerned, really, you want to. <sighs> You, you want to know that you know the game well. Right. Uh, you Yeah, don't go, yo, I remember this game. I, we used to play it all the time like two years ago. And right. Then, and then you get there and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot how this works. Nothing is worse than sitting down to play a game at a convention and then have the person who's the GM for that game read the rules with you because they need a primer. You know what I mean? Like they need to yeah. remember how to play it. Or they it. start telling you and then they're like, oh, wait, no, that's not right. And right, then, yeah. And then just at least confusion. I, I've, I've going through and like un, even if it's a couple nights before, just sitting down and reading the rules. Maybe running through a quick couple of like a quick game or a quick couple of turns by yourself, right. where you're playing multiple people or whatever, just to make sure that you're still real familiar with. It, if you have any questions, now there's nothing wrong if you run an event and someone says, "Well, what if I need to do this or whatever?" And it depends on the game. Board games can be. Uh, a bit of a narrower rule set to some degree, whereas miniature games, because of the way that they're designed, or in Magic, there's so many different possibilities and permutations in Magic that they go, well, what if I do this and this, and this card's got a trample and whatever? You'd be like, mm, I don't know. That's a good question. But if, you're, if you've been an avid player or if you're even a judge in Magic, well, then that's kind of the, your, your wheelhouse. But um, sometimes yeah. things come up. And, yeah, and, and it's okay to say I don't know. Exactly. Just, just try to be... Just trying to make that fewer than the number of I do knows. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you go in saying, I've never played this game before. Hey, let's run it. And j-, that, that's not a great idea. It's gonna, yeah, it's going to slow it down and everyone's going to probably not have a good time because they'll be like, why didn't I just do this myself? Exactly. Right? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, n- maybe even know how to teach the game. So maybe try, you know, explaining how it is or watch some YouTube videos of other people explaining the game. Yeah. Just to kind of get an idea of maybe how to introduce people. Is it, you know, is it best to start with the objectives first? That's a very good point because just because you understand the game doesn't mean that you may necessarily know the best way to teach it. You might start, you know, explaining some specific rule that doesn't really come into play. Right. Or it may come into play, but people are like, yeah, but how do I start or how do I like, what's the, you know, so yeah understanding that and maybe watching that's a very good point watching like a youtube channel who's trying to explain it to people then going oh i see i should start by explaining this and this and then move into that yeah like you know and uh, generally it's you know explain the objective Mm -hmm. uh you know like for example you know this game the object is to have more points than everybody else so now you explain the rest of the rules with the focus on how do you get those points Mm -hmm. so you know they you know versus going oh you can earn points this way and people are like yeah, but is it good to have points? Do I need points? Right, right. Are points yeah. cashed in for something. Are points good or bad? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's important as well because yeah, and and assuming that your players understand can be a big pitfall. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just being like, okay, so then you have to get the you have to tap like this these cards, and then you're going to get eventually somebody hopefully who's going to be like, what does that mean? Tap? What do what, you like? Oh, you turn it, and then like, why you turn it? Well, that means it's used now. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Right. Really think about 
as if this person does not understand this game because they've never played it because they very probably haven't, especially if you're right. teaching, you know, like a beginner style game to somebody or a beginner, you know, not the, not that the rules are beginner, but you're teaching it right. to beginners. You have to take it from their point of view and think about it that way. Right. And then, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of board games are pretty good about this nowadays um, to have even some skirmish games, uh, but having any kind of like a turn reference card or, uh, oh, you know, yeah. like. Frequently, you know, like the back of the rule book or something will have right. most common like a rules. Rules summary. Yeah. Quick, ref- you quick, know, quick reference. Getting, you know, like having copies of that readily available for each right. player can, you know, speed things along and help them, you know, when it's not their turn, they can kind of look at stuff because maybe yeah. they're trying to formulate some kind of strategy and they can go, oh, I wonder if I could do that. And then go, oh, yeah, I can do this. Or they can go, you know, oh, hey, it doesn't say here. How do you do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a very good point, too. And a reference card, even if it's something that maybe doesn't come with the game, but something that you could print out or make up or or whatever ahead of time could be super useful. Um, sometimes yeah. you can find them on the Internet. Like somebody's already made a reference card right. for this game or something like that. And so if you do a little bit of research, you might find a good cheat sheet, another good word, mm-hmm. another term to use in those situations. Yeah. yeah. And don't be afraid to run like the beginner version or first time through uh, mm-hmm. version of the games. Like, you know, I know that... Oh, now I just blanked on it. Formula One, uh, Formula Formula D. D. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just watched the Formula One uh, documentary on Netflix. That's gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So Formula D has uh, basic rules and advanced rules. Right. Run just because you're like, oh, yeah. I like the no. Run the basic rules. Generally, you want to run the basic rules at a because it, they're usually more streamlined, easier to understand. Yeah. You know, and usually the advanced rules build upon knowledge from knowing the basic. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's usually quicker to set up, uh, so it'll just speed things along and kind of give everyone a, a better. And it's not important; it's not a requirement. But on certain games, and it depends on the game. Let's say a board game. Finding a board game that you can run maybe multiple times, and I don't just mean like you maybe run it multiple times during the weekend. But let's say in a in a two hour session, maybe you get to run this game twice or three times. Yeah, you know, because then people like that first run through is kind of a dry run. And then maybe in the second run through, if it's a game that runs for you know forty five minutes or less, then maybe you can throw in a, a, a couple of advanced rules or, right. or that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. And then that way, the the people playing, like, because sometimes I mean I've I find it very hard to go, oh yeah, no, I'm on board with this game on my first try. Right. Yeah. And, and having uh, sometimes you know if time allows and it's you know kind of like a round base or something like that. Mm-hmm. Have a have a you know a demo round where like okay we're gonna just do a demo yeah, round this doesn't count, uh, but just to give you guys an idea of how it's gonna kind of feel like if you know like just getting into the game and then just going with it is not a necessity. You could just be like cool we're gonna run through a round and then we'll start for real right. But then hopefully we'll all be further along and get the idea. Yeah, because then they'll That's go a, yeah. oh now I get what okay mm-hmm. you know especially if there's like some kind of decision they have to make yep like of where they might want to start or. Mm-hmm what kind of class they want to be or something like that. Yeah, no, I agree. No, it's a, that's a totally good idea. So think about it, uh, Tim, from uh, the aspect of that you're teaching somebody something, teaching somebody something that they don't know and understand that when you are the, the, the game master at a convention, you are helping out the convention because no one wants to go to a convention when there's no games to play. Mm-hmm. Um, there's benefits both to you and to the people who potentially will be playing with you. Um, you're going to get better at maybe talking to people. You're going to get better at teaching people. Um, work, do, yep. Maybe just get smarter at the game because you're playing yep. it more. Yeah, I mean, um, you're being an, an advocate for that game, so now there's going to be more yeah. people to pick from that might like the game. When I go to conventions and run um, Song, of Bl- or, yeah, Song of Blades and Heroes, 
it's usually conventions that don't have a big miniature contingency. I I don't go to like miniature tournaments and run that game. I go to games that are open to all types of tabletop gaming, but it's mostly board games and RPGs, maybe some CCGs. And because that game is, I think, elegant and relatively simple to grasp, it's a great kind of um, invitation. It's a great kind of like, you know, first taste Mm -hmm. into miniature games and working with you know, range and, you know, all the things that you do, positionality right. and cover and line of sight and all that kind of right. stuff. Right, and they don't have to worry out. about painting. And, and right, sometimes exactly. Sometimes it's a yeah. smaller yeah, army set. And yeah, and so, you know, you may get a person kind of really interested in in, uh, in that particular game or that particular genre or whatever, and so yeah. that's always helpful for... I mean, that's how I got into Magic. Uh, it was at a convention. Yeah. We were there to play uh, Dungeons & Dragons, and then uh, we were kind of bored... Uh, or in between one, rounds. Yeah, in between rounds. One one in, ended it really early. Uh, we were checking out the vendors, and uh, we had a uh, store owner or a vendor go, hey, have you seen this new game? And we're like, no. And the, he showed us real quick, and he's like, like, okay, well, how do you play? And he's like, here's the starter deck. Here's mm-hmm. how you get going. And kind of, like, walked us through. And then by the end, we were, you know, trying. We're like, hmm, we might skip this session. And just sure, yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's that's the type of stuff that you come across at, at small conventions. Sometimes it's games that you've not heard of and, and that kind of stuff, or you you play games that you've played maybe plenty of times before, but you get to play them with new people and see new strategies and and new ways to play, and maybe sometimes new house rules or whatever. Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was gonna say sometimes there's yeah weird variations, especially yeah. on you know more of the classic games that they're like oh and and we're doing this, but this time we're going to do it this way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of try things out and kind of play test almost. So yeah. And sometimes there's giant versions of games. A lot of the, usually it's the board games, but oh yeah, yeah. They'll do like the life size versions. Yeah, Gen Con they have a, a humongous version of Robo Rally. Like the board is probably twenty or thirty feet across. Uh, it's on the floor, and and yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, because Robo Rally is is that what? Explain Robo Rally. Robo Rally is the game, and it's like a. Is that the flicking? No, no, no. no. Robo Rally is the one that was made by, I think it was made by Wizards of the Coast. It's now owned by Hasbro and all that kind of stuff. But you've got like the board, like, you know, there's all those um, conveyor belts. Oh, yeah. And then so you've got to like move and not get shot by the laser and get over here. And you're just basically trying to get from point A to point B, I think. But there's, you're running through this factory that's got all these conveyor belts going in different directions, doing all this kind of stuff. And it plays on a normal size board. It's maybe three foot by three foot, probably smaller, actually. But, um, at yeah, at at uh, Gen Con, there's always a version of it with like full size robots that are well, I mean they're small still. They're like only right, two three feet tall, but it's a massive huge board, and people play you know in their socks, you know, and they because they're standing on the board, they don't mm-hmm. scuff it. Um, so yeah, you can see stuff like that. Um, Sometimes like uh, you can play games at convention or run games that you might not be able to play with your normal friend group. Sure, uh, that's like good point. Large scale games like uh, Captain Sonar becomes is one that I Captain like. Captain Sonar is great. You need like eight people, and it's sometimes hard to get eight people together. Yeah. Um, uh, Werewolves. Well, yeah, Werewolf uh, is is a big Secret one. Secret Hitler. Yeah. What was the other big one? Uh, that's it takes forever. Oh, uh, Twilight Imperium. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's. I've seen that run at a bunch of conventions because right. you're like, well, we're here, you know, for all day, so why don't we just sit and play this one game? Mm-hmm. Um, and your your friends may not be interested in doing that back home, so you know. Yep. Uh, what's uh, what's the what's the war game? Which war game? Uh, 1942. Axis and Allies. Axis and Allies. Yeah, with oh, all the where they put all the maps together. Yeah. And like at Gen Con again, I've seen like giant Axis and Allies yeah. where like the board is like. T- 10 feet you know i think it was i think it was our local one fire and ice that did the uh one where we saw like they were playing like 
the European one and the Pacific one, but all at the same time. Yeah. And so yeah. it was like just kind of interesting like variations. Ten people on games, playing yeah. it all at the one time, and yeah. The the thing about conventions is they give you even small ones. It's a it's a bigger group than your normal gaming group, and there can be some degree of spectacle because you can run a huge board or something, or you can run. Uh, you know all the expansions or you can do whatever and it's uh it's a fun thing that you try out at the convention and then you to go back to kind of normal life when you go back home mm-hmm. it's very sad but yeah uh thanks again tim for the question and um i hope that you get to go run some events whatever kind you're interested in at the local conventions of your choosing yeah let us know how it goes and uh, yeah. if you're listening and you have ideas uh, let tim know you know yeah. something we might have missed yeah some stuff in the comments or whatever or shoot us an email um, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Game 4 Podcast. If you've got questions or comments and you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment below. If you're listening via your favorite podcast player or just aren't into the whole YouTube comment section thing, then you can feel free to reach out to us via email at podcast at imgame4.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, technically TikTok. Uh, We've got two TikTok videos. We do. Uh, And lastly, to find out more about the Game 4 platform designed to connect tabletop gamers, please check out our website at www.iamgame4.com. That is www.iamgameforo.com. Bye. Thanks.